The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory, Glory to, to you, Lord Christ. Christ. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, Lord Christ. Again, good morning. Welcome to All Saints. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Would you make my words and the meditation of all of our hearts pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, in this season between Easter and Pentecost, we're preaching through the lectionary, which selects a set of passages for each day. In today's three passages, we have some common elements. One of them is water. Earlier this year, before my 401k looked more like a 301k, uh, many of you know that a group of us went to Israel where we were reminded of the importance of water in a land where there is so much desert, and especially the ancient Jewish distinction between dead water and living water. Dead water is still stagnant, and even when ingested, can bring death instead of life, like the Dead Sea, versus the much-preferred living water, like you find in the Jordan River or the Sea of Galilee. It's moving and fresh and life-giving, cleansing and restorative. We have in Acts 16, Lydia beside a river in Philippi, where she's baptized into Christ. We have in Revelation 21 and 22, where the apostle John describes living water in heaven, flowing from Jesus, the Lamb of God. And we have in John chapter 5, a pool of still water that must be stirred up in order to heal. Living water. It begs the question for us this morning, what waters are you believing will give you life? From my observation, no matter if you've been raised in the Baptist tradition or Roman Catholic or somewhere in between or not in church at all, from early on, everyone gets baptized and baptizes their children in some kind of water. Many of you know our daughter Kenan is pregnant with our first grandchild, and it's causing me to remember when she was born. She was the first grandchild on my side of the family, and what do you think my family gave her 
for her first Christmas present, a UT cheerleader outfit. Yes, I had no idea they made them so small. Our family waters and even our blood might be considered burnt orange. In fact, my mom grew up here and started cheering on the Longhorns in Memorial Stadium at age six back in 1943. And she did so every year for 75 years until finally retiring to stadium seating at home just four years ago. My dad's dad went to UT and my dad as well, which is where my parents met. Although I grew up in Dallas, my mother always drove a burnt orange car and our doorbell played the eyes of Texas. Yes, my sister and I became third generation's longhorns back in the 1980s. These were the waters of life that I grew up in. And then came my wife, Drew. It shows you that love is blind because when we fell in love, I conveniently overlooked the fact that her family's blood was the wrong color, sooner red. And her parents, that's where they met, um, at OU. Well, my in-laws even have a dog named Norman. Not really a dog. He's a chihuahua. But anyway, I had hope from the beginning of Kenan's birth because early on, she started sucking her middle fingers like this. Yes, uh, an orthodontist dream, no matter your alma mater. Uh, but not to be outdone, imagine the Christmas gift Kenan received on her second year, an OU cheerleader outfit, yes, and the rest of our familial Red River rivalry, uh, Bevo did not win. Kenan became fond of the red dirt of her maternal roots, but the point is that all of us baptize our children and ourselves into whatever waters we believe will bring us life to the fullest. So what waters are you looking to lying beside, praying beside, living your life beside, striving to get into? Two points to help us with the answer, water and Sabbath. First, water, the choice of water that we have. Let's consider the man from John chapter five, who's been an invalid for 38 years. Can you see yourself in him? You may not be physically infirmed like he is, but our sin makes all of us invalids, at least spiritually, in all sorts of ways. The pool, this infirmed man, was sitting beside the pool of Bethesda, was a well-known place in Jerusalem. It's been destroyed uh, in 70 AD, but uh, archaeologists have excavated the site. We were there just a couple of months ago. It's just north of the temple, but it wasn't just for Jews. There's evidence that pagans also regarded this pool as sacred and would visit it to be healed. At one point, it was dedicated to Asclepius, the Greek god of healing and medicine. That means that this Jewish man was desperate. He was less than devout. He was willing to go to this mixed place, non-Jewish Gentile place in order to get well. Now, look, if you will, at the text at verse four, 
just between verses three and five. Do you see it? It's not a misprint. It's not there. Most translations, including our English Standard Version, omit verse 4 and explain in a footnote that the Apostle John didn't write verse 4, but at some point, a scribe added it to explain what Jews back then believed about the pool. So with the addition, starting at verse 3, it reads like this. There lay there, quote, a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, we don't know whether this ever actually happened with this angel coming down and stirring. But what we do know is that the people there at the time believed it, desperately so. And this man was one of them. Imagine what it was like being there. Multitudes, needy, crowded, tired, begging. Imagine the tension. Pagans and Jews, rival nationalities and ethnicities a heavy sense of desperation, blind, lame, paralyzed, a brokenness that's not only just physical, but also spiritual, emotional, moral. There was an air undoubtedly of competitive angst. Only the first into the stirred waters gets healed. Everyone's after the same thing, but there's not enough to go around. Few get the golden ticket. You know, places like this, every culture, every community has places like this, pools where people are striving to get in the right school, the right neighborhood or home or club or circle of friends or for your kids, the right sports team to be accomplished and recognized, to get into the right college, the right dorm, the sorority, the fraternity to get the right job, to have the right look for the dating scene. Also, you get asked, get invited, get, get right to feel worthy that you belong. What pools are you waiting and watching beside, longing and striving to get in? Whatever the waters, are you looking for them to do what all water does? to wash and restore, to wash what's dirty and unwanted and restore the life that you lack? Are these waters that you're beside really able to fix what's wrong, missing, shameful or disappointing or devastating in your life? Do, you have the, do they have the power to renew and enliven you? Not just somewhat or for a little while, but fully and forever. In the chapter before our gospel reading, John 4, Jesus tells the Samaritan woman at the well, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Only 
the living water Jesus offers, his Holy Spirit can do for us what we seek. Take a look at the dialogue between Jesus and this invalid, starting in verse 6 and following. This man isn't looking for Jesus. In the midst of the crowd, Jesus finds the man and initiates with him. Jesus asks, do you want to be healed? Now here we have an illustration of a pervasive biblical principle. If you find God, it's because God came searching for you first. Paul says in Romans chapter 3, no one seeks for God. He comes to us. We see that in Acts 16 with Lydia, where it says that she's with this group of women by the river, and the Lord opened her heart to receive Paul's message of the gospel of Jesus. John goes on to say in chapter 6, no one through Jesus, Jesus speaking, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And John writes in his first letter, chapter 4, we love because he first loved us. I want to ask you, is Jesus initiating with you this morning? Are you answering him or are you looking to other waters? Notice what the man says when Jesus asks, do you want to be healed? I tell you what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, yes, heal me. Instead, he says, I don't have someone to put me in the water at the right time. In other words, Jesus, I want you to get me into these mythical, magical waters that I believe will save me. Friends, all too often, this is us. We pray to God and look to Jesus to help us get into waters that we've decided will give us life instead of looking to Jesus himself who is living water. It may be a fine distinction, but it's a vital one. This morning, are you looking to Jesus as a means to an end or is he your end? Is he your all in all? Are you looking to Jesus to be your partner, to get you to your salvation, your significance, your security? Or are you looking to Jesus to be your salvation, your significance, and your security? Jesus doesn't help this man into the water. Instead, he says, verses 8 and 9, get up and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took his bed and walked. It's Jesus not pool water, that heals this man and gives him new life. All the man does is respond to the grace and mercy and power and love of Christ. The choice Jesus offers to this man physically is the choice he offers to all of us for our whole being. A choice of water. Will we choose the still stagnant, lifeless waters that are for the very few that must be mysteriously stirred, but with no promise to restore your soul, to quench your thirst, to give you all that you long for. Only the living waters of life in Christ can do that. And they can't, they can't be had by your striving, by your stirring, you only receive them by turning away, letting go of your striving and stirring and opening wide yourself to his life, earned for you by him, 
free for the receiving. So often in scripture, when Jesus heals someone like he does here physically, they bow and surrender to him in faith as master and Lord. And they say that he's the one they want to follow the rest of their lives. But not so with this man. We have no such record. Which brings us to the second element connecting our passages. Verse 9 indicates, it says, now that day was the Sabbath. Our second connection, the Sabbath. Our choice of rest or not. The rabbinical law forbids this man from carrying his bed on the Sabbath. And when the Jewish leaders accuse him of breaking the law, verses 10 and following, he blames it on Jesus. It's not there in your bulletin, but though physically he is blessed by Jesus, there's no indication as we read on whether he received the spiritual gift of new life that Christ offers. He receives the blessing of the Lord, but without receiving his lordship. Could that be you this morning? Have you been blessed by God, but have not turned to him as Lord? In fact, in verse 15, when he's finally able to identify Jesus as the one who healed him in the crowd, he doesn't return and say, Master, thank you for your blessing, for healing me. I believe in you and I want to follow you. I want to be baptized. No. Instead, he goes to the Jewish powers that be to let them know it's Jesus who they're looking for. In other words, he turns Jesus in. Completely unlike Acts 16, where Paul preaches on the Sabbath and Lydia believes and is baptized into this gospel rest that she hears about from Paul. And in Revelation 22, the apostle John reveals this Sabbath rest more fully in his version, in his vision of eternity, the heavenly Jerusalem, the lasting rest to which all Sabbaths point where Jesus is the temple because he's the once for all sacrifice. And there's no sun because Jesus and God's glory are the light, all the light that's need, needed. There's no night there. And the river of the water of life is flowing from that love relationship between God the Father and his son. And on the riverbank is the tree of life. Tim's glad it's not cedar. I'm glad it's not prickly pear. But it's clear that we've been brought back in heaven to better than the garden in Genesis with 12 kinds of fruit, none forbidden, and with leaves that are not used to hide our shame, but to heal us and to bring peace where there is division and nothing is cursed, and death and pain are no more, and God is fully with his people, and we are with each other, and all creation is right. It's the lasting rest to which all Sabbaths point. In this heavenly light, Jesus wants us to realize from our gospel reading the Sabbath choice we all face between Revelation 22 living waters that he offers and all our other alternative stagnant still and dead waters that require stirring. Jesus wants us to see that only he offers 
the healing and rest that we seek. In his death, he fully experienced and absorbed the consequences of our sin. He drowned under God's judgment for us so that he might pour out on us his Revelation 22, waters of life. And so, friends, this morning, Jesus is calling you today to detach your heart from whatever it's baptized into other than him. And his means of such detachment includes the practice of Sabbath. So take a break from the unnecessary that's ruling your life. Give it a rest. Now, I'm not saying quit your job or abandon your family or your responsibilities, but I am certain that none of us have to do everything that we're doing now. Jesus didn't just die to set us free from sin and death and hell. He also died to release us from the tyranny of modern American busyness. Find space for meals with loved ones. Find space for helping others who are in need, neighbors nearby. And find space for restorative prayer and play. In his book, The Contemplative Pastor, Eugene Peterson says this, quote, Busyness is the enemy of spirituality. It is essentially laziness. It is doing the easy thing instead of the hard thing. It is filling our time with our own actions instead of paying attention to God's actions. It's taking charge. And then he goes on in his well-named title, The Confessions of a Former Sabbath Breaker, where Peterson says, Sabbath is the biblical tool for protecting time against desecration. Keeping a Sabbath is simple and easy. We pray and we play. Two things we were pretty good at as children and can always pick up again if only we can find the time. But we don't need to find the time. It's given to us. A day a week, a Sabbath, a day to pray and play. The two activities for which we don't get paid, but which are necessary for a blessed life. Not a mere survival life, but a bountiful life. It's God's gift, unquote. So a question as we close for you this morning. Are you availing yourself of God's good gift of regular Sabbath rest? He has a life-giving blessing for you when you do. Would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, we thank you that You have made us so that we are as a deer panting for flowing streams. Our souls pant for you. Lord, you are our God. Enable us to earnestly seek you for our souls thirst for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us your living water, your Holy Spirit. Enable us to practice a regular Sabbath rest beside your abundant waters of life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.